Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. Hey guys, what is up? Welcome to a new episode. This week's episode is going to be very cool. I don't know about you, but I recently have been extra into learning about areas of influencer marketing that I'm not so privy to. I don't know a ton about gaming and esports yet. It keeps coming up and I feel like the universe was like, Jess, learn more about this. For the longest time, I've had such an appreciation for it and a respect for it, knowing how giant and lucrative it is, but I don't know much about it at all. So when I saw that Emma Waldron of EA Sports joined WIM, I immediately reached out and I was like, would you come on our podcast? And I got to be honest, half the reason I have people on the podcast is for you guys to enjoy And selfishly, it's so I can learn and have a conversation with really interesting people. Let's be real. It's it's definitely a mixture of the two. So she is very knowledgeable about this area, taught me so much, and I have a feeling that you'll learn too. If you're anything like me and you don't game, don't be intimidated and don't shut off this episode. Keep an open mind and also know The more you add to your repertoire and the more that you just know about professionally, the more valuable you are. So the next time somebody in your office has a random question about gaming and you finish this episode and you can answer it, you're going to be really grateful that you listened to this episode. So without further ado, Emma Waldron of EA Sports. Emma, I am equally as excited to get to know you, your story, recently moved to the U.S., work for a very cool company, and have a great background in the whole world of influencer marketing. So I'm excited to just sort of like dive into a lot of different things today. So first and foremost, welcome and how are you? Um, thank you. For, yeah, thank you. Um, I'm re- yeah, really good. Thank you. Um, as you said, I've just been here for about a month. Um, previously I was a UK employee at EA and now I'm an American employee. Um, and we just moved to down South to Louisiana. Um, so I'm excited to be here. That's awesome. Um, and what, what initiated the move? That's a big move. Um, it's a number of factors really. Um, my husband's job, he's an athlete based out of uh, Louisiana. So for him, he needed to be here. Um, and then also, I will say a silver lining of COVID. Um, EA has a flexible work program, um, which means that you can actually work in in all states bar two um, that we have studios. Um, so I was very lucky that the by the nature of the work I do in marketing, 
um, and the fact that I work with talent, um, so I don't really need to be in the studio. Um, they were they were quite happy for me to move to, especially an American time zone, as most of my clients are based in the US. I'm sure that they were happy about it, um, but it's also nice to like have you here as well. Um, I know that like I can only imagine that it would be like a really really big move. So. Um, I guess I'd love for you just in your own words, it's always easy to like see people's, you know, work history on paper, on LinkedIn, the digital paper, um, and sort of get a sense of like how you got to where you are today. I'd love to hear in, in your own words, a little bit about like your, your journey to EA, um, a little bit about your background, um, and how you are, like how you landed where you are today professionally. Okay. Awesome. Um, so yeah, it's to us. It wasn't a, a normal route, as um, I don't think there's any normal routes. But it, I actually started um, at X University doing political science. The original idea was that I would join the military, um, and I was uh, signed up to the military for uh, as a reserve. Um, whilst at university, I became a high performance athlete playing rugby. Um, uh, it's a slightly different sport, but it's growing massively in the US. Um, and uh, I just realized that my passion laid in sports um, and then it turned into sports marketing, which to be honest, I didn't really know what it was at the time. Um, and then I started creating con uh, content as a, a bit of a, I guess, a rugby geek. I was actually quite proud to call myself a rugby geek back in the day. Could not claim that anymore. Um, but I became a, a coach, an analyst, um, a referee. Um, and I was playing for the Southwest of England and England, uh, England uh, Development Squad at the time for the senior women. And then I just started tweeting and creating content around it. Um, and I, I developed back then in like 20, so I left college in 2011. And then around then it was just when people started realizing what Twitter was. Um, and blogging was kind of king and queen at the time for uh, for content and the way of getting a message out um and I just developed an audience online um uh throughout just creating content and tweeting and sharing my opinion um and then I I moved into PR um through more digitally because then I could actually go into an interview and be like okay I have uh 7,000 followers on Twitter uh, which was pretty massive then um and I had a clout score of I think it was five percent so I was one of the top influencers in sport at the time in England um globally as well when it came to rugby um and yeah I was just creating content uh really enjoyed it um was kind of known as that person that really understood the tools um and then just kept growing my expertise in regards to I was at the NPR side then I moved into a sports agency and started looking after athletes content um trying to get them to really understand what it was like to to be a brand as a person and start um monitoring uh monitoring their content too and making sure they were posting the right things on social and also doing a little bit of crisis management when things uh which they didn't want to reach the uh, airways did. Um, and then I moved to uh, a, a bigger agency where, where we were looking after SAP, um, who did, had at the time, they had about 36 different properties in their portfolio. And I was managing the uh, marketing for all their sponsorship rights across from NBA, NFL, Bayern Munich, DFB, um, during the World Cup. There's lots of different challenges, women's tennis, 
Um, and also some of their, their athlete ambassadors like Paula Kramer, um, Annie Els, there was a few different ones like that. Um, and then some sailing, so uh, um, the Extreme Sailing Series where I managed all the content for them. And then the ICC Cricket for the uh, Cricket World Cup, created some content online for them. Um, in my own time, I was also still creating content and advising. Like I did some sports policy advice in regards to um, basically awareness for sport. Um, and then I was also fronting a YouTube channel um, at the time called The Third Half, which was a rugby show, um, which was really fun. But then I kind of decided after a while in agency, um, I also did some consultancy for Red Bull and Neymar Junior Fives, and that was all digital. Um, and it was all influence marketing threaded into the larger piece. Um, and we did, uh, the, that was the first time we really did gift marketing as well through creators, which is quite different. Um, and then I moved back into in-house because I wanted a bit of a change. Um, I, so I was doing my master's part-time for sports marketing and then moved into a, a Premier League football club. It's now Premier League at the time it was championship, so division two. Um, led their digital strategy. At that time, we were exploring dark social. So it was dark social influence marketing through the likes of WhatsApp with Adidas and creating that kind of content through creators who what is now known globally as the Tango Squad. Um, I was actually the first person to partner with Adidas through our department to kind of, because I was one of the few who really got it, um, I think at the time in football. And was like, okay, so we had creators, doing skills half time on the pitch and it was all very new back then um so that was uh that was 2615 2016 um and then I, I basically candidly um realized that I was significantly underpaid when I started hiring some other people in my team um and had some good conversations with some senior people the CEO being one of them and just realized that they didn't have the money um because uh, it was division two at the time but uh, so I started looking um, and that's when I saw the role at EA came up and it was to manage their football partnerships. So it's the whole rights portfolio for all their UK based global football partnerships for FIFA, um, which so Man United, Man City, which was part of City Football Group, uh, Kevin De Bruyne um, and then Premier League, Football League. So all 72 clubs in the UK. Um, and it was ranging from creative content it was ranging to everything um I did that for about a year and a half I loved it it was it was huge working with athletes as creators and all the clubs as creators and the size of Man United's channels and saying um and then we uh I had I joined a new team at EA so I met, moved from the football partnerships team into the talent and uh, influencer marketing team was, was at the time um creating uh partnerships with creators and obviously as I had a background in it it was it was a natural fit for me to um so I I was leading partnerships across all our sports portfolio so FIFA, Madden, uh, UFC, NHL um and I always forget one but it's like a baby at the time it was NBA um as well which was quite a big one which I really enjoyed because they have some really cool creators in that space um and I was also doing sim sims so sims 4 which is a more lifestyle game um, which is huge. Again, the audience there is massively engaged. It was also very, very different types of games to work with. Um, and now recently, I've as I shifted back to the US, uh, to the US, I've moved more to the NFL. And so now I, 
I purely lead North American football, which is at Madden, and then our college football franchise, which is we're planning on releasing soon. It makes a lot of sense, um, but it's also very interesting to hear that like this all started because you know you were a rugby influencer. Um, that's so 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 cool, um, and how great it must be to like end up where you are today, which is very related, very current, um, and like very niche. Also, um, I assume you see the through line um, between it all, which is um, really really cool to see, and then like. EA for anybody who um, isn't familiar. So EA stands for Electronic Arts um, and they develop and publish sports video games. A lot of our community um, is in a very, like a variety of different areas of influencer marketing, but we don't have a lot of people who are in the niche that you're in. I want to learn so much more. It's not an area that I'm incredibly familiar with, but I have always at least had it on my radar because just because I'm not into it, I am very well aware of how many people are like in that world and how much money there is, how much like notoriety and like, I mean, it's a huge area of not just influencer marketing, but culture in general. So my hope today is that you can educate me a little bit more, our audience a little bit more about that world. I think first and foremost, I'd love to hear from you. What would you say is a misconception about gaming in terms of the influencer marketing industry? The, the typical one is always that it's there's a, there's a set type of gamer, um, which is it used to be that it's just boys in their basements or 40 year olds in their basements with uh, like the first 40 year old virgin um the reality is 50 percent of our players that we, we call customers players um are women um so electronic arts we we do sports games so sports and we also do EA games we just uh, acquired a mobile studio so it's there is so many diverse areas that you can go into which i don't really think people truly realize um the other ones is that only gaming brands are successful in gaming, um, which is couldn't be further from the truth. All these different brands can communicate with people in the way they really want to communicate. And then the other one, again, is just that all gamers are the same and they all have all the same desires. And that couldn't, again, be further from the truth. Just even in our portfolio, it's different kinds of people play our different types of games. I think that's another one as well. I don't know. I, I would like to see our members, our community, just like open up their minds during this episode in particular to just like even gain an education on the vast extent of how many people are involved in, in the world that you're in on a day-to-day. -day. I mean, we're talking about like millions of people and some of it is U.S. based. It's also like on a global scale. And, you know, I, I'd love to hear from you. Are there any distinctions between gaming U.S. versus on a, on a global scale in other countries? The reason I ask is because I hear a lot from our community that, you know, they're looking to get their brand messaging out to, you know, always to a specific audience, right? In a lot of instances, they're handling the U.S. business of XYZ brand. And so for those folks who are like, is this right for me? Um, is there a place for me here? 
what would you tell them? Is there a certain strategy that they should keep in mind or like, you know, what, what is good for them to know and what opportunities um, lie in it for them? So I would say that for our sports games, obviously you look at the sports that do well in that industry. So football, soccer is a global sport. Therefore, if you want to tap into a global audience, that's probably your strongest bet. There's so many different opportunities. And then you have the layers of the pure, just casual gamers. And then you have the competitive side of uh, gaming, which is a whole new audience and growing rapidly. There, There are so many different audiences. It's just, as long as you know what you're trying, what kind of audience you're trying to tap into, then that's where you have to have the conversation with to the likes of me or one of my colleagues. Because we we have, there's 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 quite a few of us that work with the different creators across the different areas, um, globally and locally. Um, and there's, I think there's about 50 of us globally that all work with creators at EA. Myself, I'm, I'm global, so I'm based in the US, but I, I will also work with, local partners too um and then there's other people that specialize in like latam or they specialize in uh got uh, germany or apec or it's all the different ones um so yeah there's there's literally huge huge opportunity and huge chances there and that's sort of and i appreciate you going through it because that is sort of the sentiment that i want to really make sure to get out there for this conversation in particular the amount of opportunities and the like sort of like limitless opportunities to reach a variety of different people is there. And I think what's so great is that if somebody simply sees that and says, huh, like what opportunities are there? There's something there. I have to just now figure it out. Like what's the strategy for myself? You and your team are the people that they can touch base with then. So I would love to hear now a little bit more about like your day to day, you know, like maybe the types of creators that you work with, um, what types of opportunities they're working on. Um, but also maybe even for women who are watching that are like, Emma has the coolest job. I want to learn more about what she does. Tell us a little bit more on a day to day, the type of work that you're doing. Um, so first thing I'll say the standard, there is no, there's no, every day is different. Um, and also it depends on what time of year it is. Um, so I've, and again, since pre-COVID, post-COVID, it's significantly changed as well. Um, pre-COVID I was in LA, uh, LA, New York or Paris, um, once or twice a month, uh, for, for a shoot, which obviously is changed quite significantly I, I haven't flown since um a new york uh, fashion shoot in 2020 in uh, january which is quite a while now um and it's like we were we wanted to activate around the super bowl but we we, we couldn't get out there because of uh, because of covid and the new variant um so it's it's very there are layers so obviously we do a lot of recruitment in regards to creators and finding people that we should be, um, we should be working with and by I say that should be is we just want to work with awesome people that love doing what they do um everything we focus on is authentic um and we try to be as authentic to our brand and the creators and their content as possible um so I'll be honest one of my pet biggest pet peeves is agencies tapping me up and be like oh yeah these are all the people I represent and my first question obviously is do they game <laughs> 
do they play our games? Um, so a lot of my time is spent on recruitment, uh, meeting with agents and meeting with agencies and trying to find out who they represent. And more than just that, it's what do their creators want to create? Um, like we're in planning right now um, for the next iteration of our games, which launch between August, September time for the sports franchises that are, um, that are annual. And for that, it's okay. So I'm looking at the likes of Mr. Beast. I'm looking at FaZe Clan. And I'm saying, okay, how do we partner with them that makes sense for our audience and their audience? Um, so it's that kind of conversations we're having now. Um, we're also planning. So we, for our sports games, we kind of like have a set, uh, like five big beats that every year we kind of focus on in regards to when we reveal the covers of our games when we launch our games, um, holiday, so uh, holiday, Christmas time. Um, then we have some big in-game beats. Um, so for those that aren't used to the sports games, is in our games, we have different modes. Um, and one of them for FIFA, it's called for Madden, it's called Mutt. And it's, you have items of different players and you can play as different players and you can strategize and play each other at the, uh, at the type of football it is. Um, in those, it's also monetizing. So you can you can buy these items or you can win these items for doing challenges. So throughout the year, we have so team of the year, for example, uh, or team of the season, where it's the best of the best players in the world. We kind of rank them and have that conversation. But then we obviously want creators to create content around that conversation. So it's things like that as well. And then we partner with partners of the league. But those are also the kinds of things we're creating and partnering around. Um, and then when it comes to execution, it's, is it a virtual event? And also another thing to mention when we work with agencies is we like to work with people that A, care about their creators. Um, I, I, just, I just won't work with agents that I don't feel are authentic and true to what they're doing. Um, and then also the uh, diversity and inclusion is huge for us. Um, so before I start a campaign, I'll look through my target list with my colleagues and just make sure that we are really looking at trying to represent um, physically um, the people that play our games. So we're talking uh, across every um, different type of minority from different type of nationality and race, um, sexual orientation, um, gender. It's trying to make sure that everyone looks at our content as like, that's me. That's the aim for everything we do. Um, and then the other types of execution going back there um, on ground. So I could be doing a shoot with 10 different creators and we are capturing them for them to be in-game, um, which is also a lovely piece we do. Someone like uh, Lisa Freestyle was an ambassador I worked with for a long time. She's the, the biggest freestyler in the world. Um, and then, so yeah, we capture them in bodysuits. You, you'll see sometimes they post it on their social just because it's really cool. Um, it's just a bit of a, it's got lots of little, little funny stickers and then we just capture their movement and their facial um, recognition software so that we can work out exactly make sure they look the like themselves in game and the other, other ones are big events so i think it was i think it was 56 different creators that were all freestylers from across the world so rio was represented london was represented paris was represented and my team would 
do everything in regards to managing the execution of those creators. So we'll be there. They, to be honest, on site, they normally call me mum because I'm checking in on them so much <laughs> to make sure just everything is just, just working and they're happy. And then also it's on site, it's creating content opportunities that wouldn't normally, like we hadn't planned. So uh, and a year player then, uh, what, three years ago now, um, Juju Schuster and Lisa Freestyle were in the same room. And I was like, okay, well, this, what content we can we create? She she basically nutmegged him for those that know it's a soccer move that it just he just looks a little silly because she was obviously soccer's her sport. And then um, uh, it, it was a funny piece and it went, it went straight. It was the press picked it up like that. And I think it had 5 million views within uh, a matter of hours. Um, just because it was just a piece of random content. We had creator and an athlete together and people love to see it because you wouldn't normally. Um, so yeah, it's there's lots of different pieces. There's obviously a, a lots of admin too, from recapping, reporting, contracting. Um, but yesterday I had to go through and pay 100 creators uh, through our, our platform. So it's some days is very much more admin heavy. Um, which, but I'm also very lucky that we have the processes in place at EA that make it very easy for us to pay people and contract people through the different platforms. Um, and we have quite standard terms with how we work as well. Um, but it's, it's with that, it, I think we can be that way because creators know that we like them to be authentic themselves to themselves. I'm not going to go to a creator and say, you have to say X, X, X. I'm going to say, here's the hashtags, here's the at mentions. This is what we're trying to get to. Do it your best, be your best self, create that content. Um, I will want to see it before it goes out for most cases. But other than that, I just, I'm working with you because I trust you to make awesome content. Um, so that that's kind of, that's how we work. And there's a lot of trust involved in what we do, which is great. I, I love that. And I hope that I, I'm sure that everyone listening is like, oh, thank you for walking me through that. I think that's like, it, it's it's a broad range of things that you're doing, but like to, I think that's a sort of like the theme of, of this conversation perhaps is that like, it is, there's so much happening in your world on such a broad scale. Um, there's so many opportunities and I just hope that people really take that away from this conversation today. I would love to just get a sense of like your your thoughts just on influencer marketing broadly. What do you wish was different about influencer marketing? Um, so I've come from a background where creators are, so other than my, obviously I came from a sport, but when I was PR side, the creators I was working with, they were a lot of mummy bloggers. Um, which they were literally mummy bloggers back in the day. Um, so as a blog post, that was the, that was the target. Um, uh, an editorial piece but the way the influencer market's changed in the last decade is there's a lot more reliance on people just wanting to be famous um, or just wanting to be an influencer for for no real reason <laughs> I don't know it might sound strange but it's like I'm lucky to the fact that the creators I work with they either love a sport or they love our games or so for the likes of Kin and Shipka who I work with for Sims she was massively relevant to our Realm of Magic campaign 
and we got her some create some really awesome she she cast some spells and she's she has a skill because she's an actress and she's awesome and I was obsessed with her own mad men etc but there's so much more now there's a shift towards just people wanting to be famous for being famous sake which I personally struggle with um and then there's also it's it's hit and miss with sometimes of agents in relation to I kind of I worked with some incredible agents with CAA and Loaded and some smaller boutique agencies and to be honest sometimes creators don't have agents even though they they have a couple of hundred million followers they still prefer to do things themselves and it's they are awesome because they are truly doing what's best for the client and they're doing what's best for us as a brand um, and they're trying to deliver to that high standard and I touch would rarely get that down um, when it comes to publishing content. But I do see, um, and I have seen other people in regards to some agents who just aren't doing what's best for their client. Um, there is now a reliance on agents, which is needed because of the level of the contracts that people deal with now and to be honest some people they need that agent to be that voice because they they it's sometimes it's hard to argue for yourself especially when it comes to payment um and your worth and I, I know that from personal experience but it's I just feel like some agents are just just not there for the creator they're just there to get a paycheck can we dig into that a little bit I'd love to hear like how can managers do better? I think that would be, there's a lot of talent managers in our community. Um, and like, let's talk to the ones who are well-intentioned. Like what can they be doing better that you think would help facilitate a better partnership with a great company like the one that you work for? So I think it's twofold. It's sometimes people know their worth, but they kind of think they're worth a lot more. Um, and then that kind of feels right um and by that I say that like a brand like myself the content we create and and using our brand drives additional engagement um because of the fact that we are such a strong brand and we will engage with content so it's naturally going to get a higher um impressions and reach and engagement but with that it's sometimes it's some people come at me and the prices are just crazy and then I just have to politely say I'm sorry I would love to work with you but I just can't afford it um and the reason I will say that is because I work out people's value in regards to I have a formula I use um and it's very much linked to uh views and engagement where still there's such a reliance on followers and total followers and when that's really not where the value comes for, for a brand like mine. For mine, it's, we need to know that people are going to see that content. We know we, people are going to engage with that content. And we just, I'm not that interested in what the total impressions are or the total followers, because I need to know is it's a relevant audience. Um, so that's one of the first things is don't buy followers, don't buy engagements, don't buy likes. Because someone like myself or one of my colleagues, we will know. Um, and we just we will just politely step back um but the other side is if you're going to a brand like me as I said earlier is don't come at me and just give me a list of people that you want me to work with come at me and say okay x and x love playing this game 
Um, they've been playing it for this long. Um, these are the kind of things they'd love to create. That to me, it makes my life easy. It makes your life easy because it's more likely that I'm going to be like, okay, awesome. Um, I might not come back straight away, but in like four or five or six months when we actually start activating our plans, I'll think of that person um, just by the, the nature or one of my team members will be like, okay, that person makes sense. Because we do like... I write it all down. If someone comes at me and says these persons are up and coming, I will have a note somewhere and be like, okay, that person sounds interesting. Or I'll follow them on Instagram or TikTok and be like, okay, when I come across them again, that's really cool. Um, but then the other side is with the impressions and it's not coming at us. Sometimes I have worked with a few people recently. The numbers they were showing me, um, they were huge. And the reality of our partnership was the content did really poorly. Um, I personally was actually quite shocked with how badly some of the content did um, because I had, I'd seen all the different channels, but then it's like, okay, so that's clearly that they've been, they've been buying likes and impressions or they've been doing other things that agencies used to do. And I've seen agencies do it from um, aggregations. Um, or running content through different networks to inflate the following, um, which is also quite common with in paid media world. But so I, I won't work with that person again now. And that agent, when he comes to me, it's like, I, I'm not, I don't really want to work with him because I don't trust that the content he's creating is true. Um, so it's, and we do remember, it's a small industry. Um, like I've been here for a decade and obviously we have women there's a, a group like we do share information so I do think it's you just need to be truthful um, and if if things aren't working and you're not getting the engagement numbers you think you should be change your strategy um, because if the creator is awesome it's they clearly do have that potential and like the likes of myself is I do actually want to if find people, especially in the diverse space and grow their channels. That's one of the big things we do is we have a something called a creator network and we actually, we have a platform now that we manage a lot of our relationships online. I still have all the individual relationships, but it's just when it comes to managing opportunities, because we do a lot throughout the season um, or the year and it's bringing people into that network and actually, okay, their, their channels might be small, but we see potential and they do make good content. They just don't have the, the following yet. We will fuel them. Um, we've done it a lot. Um, some of our biggest FIFA creators are people that were very small and we just kept giving them opportunities and opportunities and opportunities um, so to help them grow. But KSI was an EA creator. That's how he started. Um, he got famous for actually saying not so nice things about FIFA. And that's how he got so famous in the start. Um, and it's like the Sidemen, who's his friends, they're all big EA creators because they and they've been creating for us for a long time. Um, and then the other side of it is just make sure your creators are doing the right things, doing the advert, um, adverts like hashtag sponsored by EA for us or just hashtag this, hash, just making sure you're doing the right things. And if you say you're going to do something, do it and be prompt when it comes to recaps. I know it's painful getting Instagram story captures, but that's what we need to see because that's how we prove that that creator 
did what we said they would do to our leadership team we're at 72 hours um it was just little bits like that um it's just being a good partner to be honest it's all about relationships and building trust um and building the sentiment that like we are partners um and so all of these to me are like best practices it's really important to have empathy for the person on the other side of that partnership to know like if i were your partner i'd be like i want you to look great to everybody else that you're reporting to i appreciate everything that you just shared i think our last question for today and i'm very excited to hear from you um it's it's more about yourself as a professional having been in the industry now for 10 plus years if you could go back in time what advice would you give yourself 10 years ago um i would always say that to uh have more confidence in myself and my own abilities um I I wouldn't say I've done some poor career moves through my time um but it's because everything is a learning um but I feel like I sometimes I, sh I should have just backed myself more um it wasn't always the easiest industry because obviously sport um for being a female um and I did get a lot of doors shut I didn't really feel that should have been and I don't think they would have been if I was a male um but it's just just keep just keep trying um and just keep backing myself more and also when it comes to salary and just know my worth more um because I know I did a lot of work for free to try and get more experience and it's just like I should have been paid for a lot more work that I did back in the day lots of volunteer work and event work just just to get experience I should have I should have really done it for pay and I but for me it was I was just trying to get that experience so I'll just do it but yeah it's just seeing the opportunities and just enjoying it more um I think I, I worked a lot so I had three jobs um full like I had a full-time and two part-time jobs an additional part-time job from the beginning of my career until I joined EA because I wasn't being paid enough. So I had to kind of make up for everywhere else. So I, I was just continuously tired and that was even before having a baby. So it's like, I really should have just tried to, yeah, I think earn more money and try and enjoy myself a bit more and work a little less hard. My hope is that, you know, future generations won't have to experience what we did, right? Like my hope is that by you sharing that, like this is what I wish my myself 10 years ago, I could have told myself 10 years ago by the current generation and future generations hearing that, I hope that they can like bypass the, the stress and the hardships that we went through. But simultaneously, it also made you exactly who you are today. I'm sure you have a killer work ethic because you had to work three jobs. I know I do, right? So like yeah. there, it's the, you know, it's a double-edged sword, but I appreciate that. I appreciate everything, everything that you've shared today. And I'm so genuinely grateful that you're part of the WIN community. I feel like you very clearly add such a cool perspective to the group. And I'm so excited for our members to get to know you more. So please be active. Please, everybody listening, reach out to her. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Everything is Emma L. Waldron. So uh, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, or Slack. To be honest, I'm on Slack 24-7 because that's how we communicate our work. 
Perfect. And thank you so much for sharing that. Um, if you're a member, uh, Emma mentioned Slack. All of our members have access to that Slack board. And so it's an incredible way to just like directly like DM her. She said she could. Um, we'll list all of that in the show notes this episode here. But um, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, we will see everybody else uh, next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we got to have you back. Check out our website for more ways to get involved, including all the information you need about joining our collective. You can check out all the information at IamWim.com. That's IamWim, double I, dot com. And if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review, a rating. But the most important thing that we can ask you to do is to share this podcast. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Tune in next week.